Well, I'm so happy you're here today, and uh, I'm glad, I hope that today will just be a good, refreshing day in the Lord. I really do, just a, a good day. It's a good, refreshing rain we've had. I think we might be scheduled for another, maybe a storm or two coming through, but uh, I'll pray for protection on that, because I know that always concerns everybody, especially if you're out here in the country, boy, you really get the full blast of it, and um you know, it's uh, you know when you baby that sweet corn the way you do, and you see it coming up, and you just hate to see it laying down on the side, but don't you? But uh, uh, it's amazing how now uh, you know we get concerned for things uh, outside when we we have gardens and that that nature. But um, I like to uh, again, we're going to continue talking about prayer today, and I told you that today we we began the, talking about the ministry of intercession. And again, I wish I had it up on the screen for you. I could give you some more details. But the ministry of intercession, which is actually for all disciples. When we think of intercession, a lot of times we think it's just for old people. But uh, we're going to look at that today and see exactly what is the ministry of intercession. I want to go back to 1 Timothy again because that's, that's, that's our springboard where Paul is telling Timothy what kind of prayers should, uh, should be a part of our life. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 to 8. Let me begin reading that out of the NIV here. It says, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, another word for petitions is supplications, so supplications or petitions, and then also prayers, and then intercession and thanksgiving. So we have four things that Paul says are important as far as making up the, uh, being a composite or being a, a, the, the makeup of a person's prayer life. So we have supplications or petitions, we have intercession, we have prayers and thanksgiving. Be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleasing, and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This, is, this has now been witnessed to at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I'm not lying. And a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. And therefore, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands without anger or disputing. Lord, today as we look at this ministry of intercession, we ask you that you would just make things clear to us or maybe take away roadblocks then in our life that might cause us to uh, to not want to be or to not want to deal with with praying for, for others or or maybe um, uh, having that responsibility help us to see what an honor it is and what a great responsibility it is to be an intercessor in prayer in Jesus name we pray amen I can't recall if it was a Sunday morning or a Wednesday evening, but I was just a young squirt of a kid. I don't even remember how old I was. I remember it was before I became a Christian, but I was really young, very young. And Grace Paschal stood to testify in our church. Grace was a, a, a wonderful lady. Um, as a kid, I often saw older saints stand uh, to their feet and testify as to what God was doing in their life or in some way give Him praise um, for a victory that they had experienced. And Grace was one of these. She regularly stood up and she talked about the Lord's work in her life. 
Uh, Grace and Bob, that was her husband Bob, they had two adult boys. Both were married with children. Jim was the younger one. And he had already surrendered his life to the Lord uh, uh, for quite a few years. And um, so he was, he was on the right track. But the older boy, whose name was Tim, he was a rebel. Uh, he had not surrendered to Jesus. He was a wild one. And Grace was so burdened for her unsaved son, so burdened for him, that she testified about him for a while. And then I remember she said something that I've never forgotten, and I was quite young. I didn't know what she's talking about, but I remember, I remember the phrase. But she testified that um, she said that she had, quote-unquote, prayed through. I don't know what that means. I mean, I was just a little kid listening to Grace talk. But she said she had prayed through for Tim. And God assured her that he would reclaim Tim. Tim uh, actually had witnessed, I heard in part of the testimony of Grace over the years, I remember uh, um, I'd see Tim as a little kid, I'd see, he was of course much older than I was, I'd see him, he, was, he rode a motorcycle and he was pretty, pretty wild, I think he was a drinker and all that jazz, and, and he, uh, he had wrecks, it's, it's amazing he wasn't killed, you know, on his motor, motorcycle, but, but um, I remember uh, she, uh, Grace testified about Tim saying uh, that one day when Tim was a little boy that he, uh, they lived on a farm out in the country and his dog got struck by a car in the road. And so she said, I, I, we ran out there and picked up that dog and little Tim was little and, and of course quite distraught. His dog has, you know, been struck by a car. And we went around behind the barn and we knelt down, Tim and I, Grace said, and we prayed for that dog. We prayed. And God healed the dog. <laughs> so Tim knew that God was real. He, he knew that he, he witnessed his dog being raised up from, from death almost. You know, he hadn't died, but he was close to it. He was really got hit hard, struck hard. And so I, I knew that God had been working his life. I, I didn't know what, again, what prayed through meant. But as time passed, there came a day when I remember they testified, she testified that Tim gave up trying to run away from God. And he finally surrendered to Jesus. And I remember as a teenager going out to visit with him. And my dad would go out to visit with him. And uh, he had kids my age. Uh, Tim had kids that were, you know, was my age, another boy. And I remember uh, uh, Tim talking about the Lord, how the Lord had saved him. I've, I've learned that praying through something is seeking God's help. Seeking God's help until you get direction from him. Praying through can relate to a wide, wide categories of, you know, of, our, of our communications with the Heavenly Father. But praying through is, is when you hang in there and you get direction from God. Now Paul said that we pray, we have petitions, and we have supplications. That's part of our prayer. Now, that, what that is, it's, it's, us, uh, it's a, a humble request for something. Um, petitions and supplications re relate uh, to personal crises, to a personal need you might have, whether it be spiritual or physical, material. 
Maybe it'd be emotional. Maybe some crisis you're going through at work, or you know, you know what, what, whatever. But uh, or some some crisis, you know, at school, or or something that you're going through that you need, and it's it's more personal. It's for you, but or you might, uh, uh, you know, it might be concerning even you know the you know the community or or something in the church or something. But uh, that's what petitions and supplications are. Prayers. It's a broad term covering all kinds of communication with the Lord. There's prayers of sorrow. There's, there's, prayers, there's prayers of worry. There's prayers of joy, prayers of laughter. It just covers a whole wide gamut of, of things. Paul goes on to say there's also intercessions here. And these things, in, in intercessions, they refer particularly to the requests that we make on behalf of others. The requests we make on behalf of others. And as we pray, there should be a time irregularly in our lives. As we pray, there should be a time when we focus on the needs of others during our prayer time. And that would probably fall in the category, as we've talked about and got out how Jesus outlined prayer for us. We've got God's person, God's program, you know. Probably that would fall in the category of God's program. As we talk about the advancement of God's kingdom, that would be the time that we would be praying for the needs of others. Whether it might be a healing for healing, or maybe it might be for, for something uh, something needs to happen in someone's life, but particularly for salvation, uh, someone would come to know Jesus. So it can just it, you're praying on behalf of someone else. And then, of course, Paul says, in giving a thanks, which is also an essential a part of our walk with God. Um, loved ones, are you surprised at the lack of gratitude in people's lives today? I am surprised sometimes. And I, I just figure it, I chalk it up to they just weren't trained correctly. But you know what? You can always tell when someone, God is at work in someone's life because um, there's something about the Spirit of God will not allow us to be ingrates. You know that? He won't let us be ingrates. That when the, the Holy Spirit, when He is working in your life, He just, that's one area that we, we try to sharpen, we try to hone. That we learn that we need God's help. We need people's help. We need to appreciate people and appreciate God and appreciate the blessings that God and people are to us. And we, we just begin learning a habit of thanksgiving where we don't become a, 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 a kind of a taking for granted type person. But um, again, those, those who lack a basic sense of gratitude in their lives really bad, lack that basic Christian virtue, don't they? Well, let's focus ourselves here when we think about prayer and intercession. When you think about intercession, at least me, the way I've thought about it in the past, is I, I just have thought about it that, that again, praying on behalf of so, someone else's well, well, welfare, or um, you, you, you tend to think that that is an activity for old people. People who don't have a job, people who can pray all day, people who that's their focus is to pray all day for others, you know, and uh, that's really important. However, we learn here that intercession actually is a prayer activity that uh, we all are privileged and called to participate in, that people we know and love need us to participate in. And that's why intercession is for all disciples of Jesus Christ. We all need to learn how to intercede 
And we can learn. We can learn. What does intercession mean? Well, in general, like I said, it means to act on behalf of someone else's welfare or to, listen to this one, you can write down these phrases that would be a great help to you, to stand in the gap for someone. To, again, to, to act on behalf of someone else's welfare or to stand in the gap for someone. So you can picture it this way, loved ones. You can picture it this way. You know that someone is in trouble. Let's go ahead and be specific. They could be in trouble because of an illness, because of disease, or some other tragedy, and they are too weak to pray for themselves, and they need someone else to represent them before God. So you are making a request on their behalf. People did this a lot when uh, Jesus was on earth. They were always coming to Jesus. Remember, I, I just remember three off the top of my head uh, quite easily where there was, a, there was a, a leader of the synagogue who came and said, please come, my daughter is on the verge of death. Remember? And, uh, and then, of course, uh, you know, please, Jesus, help my son. He's filled with this demon that casts him in the fire. And, and uh, you know, asking for someone who can't ask themselves. So you ask for, you ask God to help them because they can't ask. The person in need can't ask for themselves. Um, or picture it another way. Someone, and this is what the Bible teaches us about people who don't know Jesus, and yes, even your son or daughter, even our loved ones who don't know Jesus, the Bible describes them just, well, just like us when we didn't know Jesus, the Bible describes them as an enemy of God. Amen? They're an enemy of God. They're a friend of the world, but they're an enemy of God. They don't love God. They're a rebel against Him. They don't, they don't want Him. They're an enemy to God. That's what the Bible describes them in the book, book of Romans. So, when someone is an enemy to God, far from salvation in Jesus, and someone is needed to stand in the gap that separates them from God, and when God looks their direction, guess what? He first sees and hears someone praying for them, standing in the gap for that lost person. That's intercession. That's intercession. Now this is a unique word. There is a word in Hebrew called paga, P-A-G-A, paga. It's a, it's a unique word with lots of special meanings. And the reason why this word is so cool, is so amazing, is, is because this will help you to understand intercession. It's throughout the Old Testament. And it can mean this. This word, you know, it's actually paga or paga. It, is, it means to meet, to fall upon, to join, to encounter. To entreat, to touch, to attack, to hit the bullseye. I'm going to go over those again because they're really important. To meet, to fall upon, to join, to encounter, to entreat, to touch, to attack, to hit the bullseye. It means to intercede on another's behalf. But listen to me. It's just not making requests for somebody. This is where this will change your whole life when you understand this truth. 
That intercession is making requests for people, but it's not just that. It's not just that. It's more. And it's more than that. Remember the word intercession? It means to meet, to fall upon, to join, to encounter, to entreat, to touch, to attack, to hit the bullseye. It means this, loved ones, making a connection with God on behalf of someone else. It means connecting, meeting with your Heavenly Father, listen, in order to create meetings between God and the one you are praying for. It's just not making requests for them. You're going there for a purpose. God, I want to meet with you. And I want to talk with you about meeting with them. Aren't you glad for those times when God met with you? I mean, I know those times that it's a, it's a special moment. You know, uh, God's everywhere. This is, a, this is a little theology lesson. God's everywhere all the time is called... It's called omnipresence. He's everywhere all the time. But there are times when He's with you. He's with us. He's communicating with us. He's focused in on you and communicating things to you. Amen. And that's what an intercessor does is say, God, I'm, I would like to talk to you about setting up a meeting with my son who does not love you. Oh God, I pray that you will meet with him, that you will encounter him, that there'll come a time here that you'll fall upon him, that you'll do something in his life that will redirect his steps, that, that, that you will attack him. <laughs> you will. You'll hit the bullseye for him. It may mean getting a communication from God as to another problem you're not aware of. It, it may mean doing spiritual battle against the devil that you are not aware needed to be done. The Lord may instruct you to build boundaries of protection around the one needing help. But the main point is you seek the Lord's presence in order that you may discover anything that God would have you to know or do as you stand in the gap preparing the way for the Holy Spirit to do whatever must be done to fall upon the one who is in need or for God to touch their life with the reality that God is real or you are preparing the way for God to defeat the enemy and to hit the target. I was reminded, I was reading the book of Acts and where uh, the lady named Tabitha or Dorcas, she, she died and she was a wonderful Christian later, Christian believer, and she had died, and, and how Peter uh, went in amongst, uh, went to visit the, the, her, and, um, and, and she was, she was la laid out in a room, and the widows, were, or I should say the ladies were there just crying and weeping, and, and saying uh, how wonderful Tabitha was, and how made, made all these wonderful garments, you know, for people. She was such a generous lady, and Peter said, everyone leave the room, and Peter knelt and prayed for a while. 
And then he looked over and said, Tabitha, get up. And she rose from the dead. (laughs) He was interceding. He was saying, God, I can't raise from the dead, but would you please have a meeting with her? Would your power connect with her and raise her up? That's what Pagah means. In the Old Testament, uh, God instructed the Hebrews to build a tabernacle, you remember, or a temple that consisted of a courtyard and also a tent with two rooms, you remember? One room was called the Holy Place. The other was called the Holy of Holies. And in the Holy Place, there were three pieces of furniture, you remember? Three pieces of furniture. Uh, and there was one piece of furniture, of course, in the Holy of Holies, that which was the Ark of the, Ark of the Co- Covenant. But in the Holy Place, it contained a golden table that had uh, showbread on it, representing God sustaining us and fellowshipping with us. Then it had this seven-candled menorah lamp uh, uh, stamp, you know, re- representing God's truth. And then it had between the bread, between the table, and between, and between the lampstand, it had this altar that was right up next to the curtain of the Holy of Holies. There was an altar there. The altar was about, it was uh, about three feet tall and it was about 20 inches in a square. So it wasn't very tall, but this was a special altar. It was called the Altar of Incense. And again, it was right up next to the the veil that separated the, the holy place from the holy of holies. And so it's right in front, front and center there. And uh, uh, this was a very special altar. This altar was, uh, again, it was called the altar of incense. And the Lord gave Moses a special formula that the perfumers were to make for the incense, that no one else was to burn uh, uh, this, this type of in- incense anywhere in the camp except on this altar. No one else was to, to, to burn this same fragrance anywhere outside of this tent. And just outside the tent, in the courtyard, there was an altar of sacrifice where all the animal sacrifices were brought to that was, that was uh, used for all kinds of various sin sacrifices and offerings. And some of the coals from that altar, from the one in the courtyard, some of the coals from that altar were put in what they call a censer or a, 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 a pan and were taken into the holy place and placed upon the altar of incense. And then the priest would take the special incense that was formulated from the perfumers that God, the special ingredients that God had instructed Moses uh, to, to place within it. They would take the incense, they would sprinkle it upon the coals and it would, there would be a, a fragrant aroma that would bellow up in the form of a smoke and it would bellow up And this fragrant smoke, as it rose up, the Bible says, to God as a sweet aroma. And the word is paga. The word is intercession. That's what's going on there. That this was representing the prayers of God's people. This, This aroma, this beautiful incense, as it rose up, 
God would smell it and it represented, again, it represented the intercession. It represented the, uh, the prayers of God's people. And scripture incense is oftentimes associated with prayer. David prayed, may my prayer be set before you like incense. And in Psalm 141 verse 12. In his vision, uh, the uh, Apostle John, he saw the elders around the throne. They were holding golden bowls full of incense, uh, in, incense, which was the prayers of God's people, Revelation chapter 5, verse 8. Remember Zechariah, John the Baptist's father, when he was in the temple, he was offering incense on this altar, uh, and all people were outside, the, they were outside praying when the angel came to him and told him about the birth of John the Baptist who was, was coming. The point is the altar of incense then can be seen as a symbol of our prayers of God's people. Our prayers ascend to God as the smoke of incense ascended in the sanctuary. And it's a fragrant aroma to God. God loves. and So this is telling us that God loves and enjoys our prayers. He loves it when we pray. God loves it when we, when we talk to him. He, enjoy, he loves it. And as the incense was burned with fire from the altar of, burnt, of the burnt offering sacrifice outside the tent, well, that is teaching us, loved ones, that the only way we can pray is we have to have God's help. You can't intercede on your own. None of us can pray effectively on our own. We need, we need, uh, we need the, the altar of sacrifice. The incense was always burning means that prayer should always be a part of our lives too. So it was, they were supposed to put incense on it in the morning and at night. The coals were always supposed to be uh, burning. The altar of incense was holy to the Lord and was uh, atoned for with the blood of the sacrifice. Once a year the priest would take blood from, from the sacrifice and atone the altar of incense, would cover it, uh, would touch the four corners of the, of the altar. So this altar of, of, uh, of, of incense is just a symbol that our prayers are holy because of Jesus' sacrifice and therefore they are pleasing to God. We must have Jesus' help. We must have the grace of heaven to be able to pray correctly. And that's why it's just, we're just not on, not on our own. The altar of incense can also be seen uh, as a picture of the intercession of Jesus. Just uh, as the altar of sacrifice in the courtyard was a type of Christ's death on our behalf, the altar of incense in the holy place was a, a type of Christ's intercession on our behalf. Christ's work on the earth, Christ's work in heaven. The altar of incense, again, was situated right there by the Holy of Holies and as a picture of Jesus being our advocate uh, between, between God and us. He stands in the gap for us, loved ones. Jesus is forever the intercessor. When God looks our way, he sees Jesus standing in the gap for us. Bible teaches that in the book of Hebrews that when God looks our way and we have received Jesus as our Savior he sees Jesus first he's standing in the gap for us he is our intercessor amen amen through Jesus's intercession for you God's grace hit the bullseye hit our souls touched to change our lives God met with us he encountered us we found out he was real amen it's beautiful to know that God considers the prayers of believers to be like a sweet smell of incense. Amen. So, loved ones, we don't stand in the gap for someone or even endeavor to set up a meeting between someone 
in need with the Heavenly Father. We don't do it in our own strength. No, we must first humbly acknowledge that we need God's help. We can only intercede for others with the help of our Lord. We also learn that the Holy Spirit of Christ intercedes for us, helping us to pray. And that's why Paul said this in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, 27. For in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God in accordance with the will of God. So there's times, you know, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know how to pray for our lost son or daughter or our father or mother. We don't know how to pray. So we go to God with this humble surrender and saying, Lord, I don't know what to do. I don't know how. What, what is it that you can, what is it? I know I want to set up a meeting with you and them. But what is it that needs to happen in their life? I, I don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit, guide me. Guide me how to pray for them. So you see, loved ones, it's not just asking on their behalf for something. You're asking for something specific. You're saying, Lord, what do you have to do to set up a meeting with them? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? Well, it seems kind of obvious that all of us who know our Heavenly Father have, we have people, we have situations in our lives that desperately need someone to stand in the gap for. People and situations that need an appointment, they need an encounter, they need a meeting with the power of God's presence in their life that will get their attention, that will force their hearts toward dealing with God's grace, His conviction, His solution for their lives. Amen. So as you practice prayer, as you enter through God's gates with thanksgiving, and as you enter His courts with praise, keep practicing. Consciously, again, Remember the word praise. Presenting yourself as you begin prayer. Think about it this way. Lord, I'm, gonna, I'm coming before you to present myself to you. The first the letter P in the word praise. I'm presenting myself to you today. And I also, Father, I raise up. I raise up my hands. And you may not want to do it. You don't have to do it physically. It's a matter of just the harder, the harder spirit. But just say, Lord, I ask you to examine me. Uh, is there anything, any attitude in me, anything, Lord, as I'm, I'm entering your presence, is there anything in my life, any attitude, any uh, unseemly thing, is there anything that needs to be corrected by you? Lord, examine me. As you raise up your behavior, as you raise up your attitudes. And then... A, just use that as a, you know, a connection. And, you know, and then we, we P-R-A-I, then invite God then. Invite Him. Say, Lord, I invite you to fellowship with me today. I invite you to fellowship with me today. I invite you today. You know, there's, there's only one place in the Bible that I know of that talks about how we invite Jesus to fellowship with us. It's in the book of Revelation where he says, I stand at the door and knock. I would really like to come in and fellowship with you. You know, we invite him to come in and fellowship with us. Yeah. And then S, sing a song of praise. No one's around. Doesn't matter if you're on key or not. Sing him a little song. Sing a little song. A song that comes to your mind. Sing a song of praise. And then enter into his presence by focusing on his, on his 
person as well as interceding for those who need his program, need his kingdom. Loved ones, I promise you that if you just practice, you've been practicing that, you'll find the Lord coming to you in a new way, in a brand new way that you've not experienced before. Prayer will just begin to open up for you. You'll begin seeing new things that you didn't see before. Prayer will not be boring. It'll be an exciting encounter with your Heavenly Father. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, thank you once again for your faithfulness to us today as we've gathered in Jesus' name here in this church, here in this gathering place. I thank you, Lord, for each of your people here today. Thank you for their interest in your word. Thank you for their interest in your will being accomplished in their life. Thank you for that. Lord, I pray that it's what you're doing through your word these days in our midst it's, it has some significance for us in that I believe you want to start doing something different out of the ordinary in our lives, out of the mundaneness of our lives. Lord, we need to see some new power. We need to see something change. We need, Lord, we have sons and daughters and family members who don't know you. We need to think about that when we come before you and ask you if you can use us. Is there a way you can use us to help create a meeting for them with you? Lord, you can direct us. Lord, I pray that, that there will be something fresh and new happen in your people, that we will be set on fire, that our, we will be set on fire so that our prayers will rise, Lord, with that fragrance to you that you love to smell, that you love to encounter. Oh, Lord, I pray that all of us will take this so seriously and let you guide us as we learn how to be intercessors. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, Lord bless you and thank you so much for your kind attention today.